I think my mum's trying to kill my dad. Really? Uh, yeah. Do tell. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was just like, looking at Facebook before I came on here. And then um, my mum's put a Facebook update on there. And my mum doesn't use like Facebook that often. But she's using it to document the trials and tribulations she's having at Tractor Fest. Which I'm assuming is like a festival of tractors. I don't know what she fucking does with her spits. Wait, are, is your mum into farming? No, but I think my dad is. And she's obviously there with my father. Okay. And I think she might be there with my nephew as well. And it just says, tractor fest in the rain, dot my life is complete. Then underneath it says, I've decided there are only so many tractors and farm vehicles you can look at before hiring one to dig a large hole under the patio. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, no, I think my mum's trying to kill my dad. She, like, I definitely fine. see where you got your sense of humor now. <laughs> this is why I am how I am. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense now. Yeah. I thought you'd enjoy that small nugget before we. That's started. great. I mean, to be That's fair, she has a point with the you know being dragged to Tractor Fest. I can't think of anything worse, and it's like pissing down with rain as well. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Murder Friends, the podcast where three friends from three different countries talk about murder. My name's Alana, and I'm Canadian. I'm Anna, and I'm American. My name's Hannah, and I'm British. So sit back and relax. You're among friends, and let's talk murder. So, guys, I guess we should uh, debrief on yesterday's Detective Day, or Detective Day, as I saw that Hannah <laughs> punned um, in the little group chat, which did not go unnoticed. Did I? Did, did, you, oh, did you just misspell it? I thought you were just like being, you know, punny. What did I, I can't even remember what I said. You wrote like, it says day, like detective, and then it said detective, day. No, that was just misspelling. Oh, was like, that was so good. You should have <laughs> just owned oh, no, that. Was, You'd have been like, was, yeah. I didn't realize I did it. <laughs> anyway, okay, so that wasn't on purpose. So, I mean, yeah, it totally was. I did it on purpose because I'm so funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yesterday we did this virtual like murder mystery and basically you have to have a team and you download the app on your phone and you follow the witnesses so you've got to basically walk all around I mean it is like a really fun way to get in some cardio yeah I was just actually facetiming with my parents back in Canada and I was trying to explain it to them how it's like this virtual clue essentially and we walk around with our phones and based on your GPS, like, witnesses pop up and stuff. And my mom was like, oh, so it's like that Pokemon game. It's oh, <laughs> like, no. yeah, I, I mean, sure, kind of like Pokemon Go. I don't know how you know that, but that is a thing that exists. I think she's like an <laughs> avid player of Pokemon Go. I like to yeah, think she's that. just trying to put it in there on the sly. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm cool amazing. and also down with the kids. Uh, I'll, I actually have a story about Pokemon Go soon, but I'll, I'll save that for another for another um, for another time. <laughs> but yeah, so it was. Uh, you have to. There were actually a lot of teams. I don't know how many do you think we saw. So many. That I looked at the um, leaderboard after everything had finished because you now you had to finish by five o'clock, mm-hmm. and there were a hundred teams of people. A hundred. One hundred. Yeah, that's what the leaderboard said. Wow. I didn't really, we, to be fair, we did see them all over town. So that made sense, I guess. Yeah, we saw like the same people over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was really cool because you, um, I don't know, it was just, um, you have to try to solve the crime. And so they you talk to all the witnesses and you have to, which we kind of figured out that you sort of have to take what they say on like face value. 
Yeah, I think we might have been looking at it at a more difficult... We made it a bit more difficult for ourselves, thinking like, oh, people might be lying to us. We have to like cross-reference things and stuff. And I think it was a little bit more straightforward. Than oh, it was that. way more straightforward <laughs> than that. We were all like, because of obviously who we are, we're like questioning everything. There's got to be like a deeper plot here that we're missing. And yeah, but it was really, it was fun. Okay, so also you had to have your team name and you had to dress up. I really we did both those things. We did those things. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Um, Hannah, what was our official team name? So our team name was the um, Staircase Owl Murderers. Brilliant. I still think it's... And we were absolutely dressed up as owls in public. Murderous <laughs> owls at that. <laughs> I'm going to post a picture to our social media so you guys have to take a look. We... I got to be honest. We didn't actually walk around town like that. We did um, cheat and sort of take off the, the mask after the picture. But... Still, it made a great picture. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great name. I thought it was a great costume. And then everything had to be closed at 5. And I think it was like 6 o'clock. I thought, oh, like I should check the Facebook page to see if we won. Because there's different prizes. We knew we weren't going to be the fastest team because we already were out of the running at that point. But there was going to be awards for best team name, best team photo. And I thought, we definitely got to get one of those. The staircase murderous owls is hilarious. And the fact that we are dressed as owls, also hilarious. And I was so distraught to see we were kicked out of the winnings. Particularly by, not that children, I mean, children beat us. Yeah, basically. I mean, I don't, do you, do you feel like people just didn't, didn't understand us? <laughs> I, I feel like we were a bit niche. We were a bit niche, weren't very, very we? Very niche. I think we were, because mostly everyone was dressed up as like, 1920s detectives or something weren't they like yeah you know? a lot of like peaky blinders sort of references and i was thinking about it afterwards originally i thought the mystery would have actors on the street that you would talk with and so i thought well if these people have set up this game and they really love true crime they absolutely will know the staircase and they should know Owl Theory. Like, we even have, you know, our own episode on Owl Theory. When we were doing it, and I realized that it was completely virtual, someone just made this game, and they're probably sitting at home, the likelihood of them knowing about Owl Theory is probably very slim. Yeah, they're sitting at home on just a massive pile of money. Exactly. Oh, it's such yeah, a great so idea. It's such a great idea. I'm, cause, uh, okay, so basically, I can't remember how much we paid to do it. I want to say we paid like 30 quid or something. Was it that? At least. At least. I, I can't remember. Yeah. Around then. Okay, so we paid that. Literally, they don't have to do anything. There's no, it's all in an app, and they just, and you post like the, the pictures and stuff onto a Facebook page. They, do, they don't do anything. Yeah, it's awesome. I wish I had thought of it myself. I know. I can, it's I such feel a great like, business model. Such yeah. a great business model. I really liked how um, when you, you would, you'd walk around the town and you'd like see witnesses um, and sometimes when you approached a witness the witness would run away and then he'd be at a different location on the map and you had like five minutes to get there. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that, that was, was good. Really fun. And then there was like a secret witness when we spoke to someone they were like oh if you go and hang out by this church um, a, wit- a witness will appear and that actually happened. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, um, I thought it was really you, fun. Yeah, when you approached um, witnesses, there was a, a brain teaser. You had to solve a riddle or something about local history or you had to find, say, like a statue that had a date on it and, like, add up the numbers. So that was pretty cool. It added, like, a different 
a different kind of level to it. But we did find out that Anna's, um, not Anna, um, Alana's really, really good at riddles. Yeah. Which was <laughs> like <laughs> freakish, freakishly like good at riddles. We were reading and we were like, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's this. And it's like, what? <laughs> Map or like whatever. It was know? incorrect. Yeah, like, but what? then there's like a simple like grade four maths question about probability and socks. socks. And I'm just like, honestly, I'm not even going to try. I'm going to step away from this. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> that was great. I, we, I think we stood there for 10 minutes contemplating the answer to that solved, question. <laughs> yeah, we solved all of them except one. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. But I'm math is not my strong suit either, for sure. <laughs> But it was really good fun, and actually, I recommend it. They, it seems like when I I looked into it more today, and they do it. I know it's like a UK thing, but they do it. Um, I think it might be hard to do in the US, just because unless it was a big big city, but um, because you have to do. It's like you're walking around a town, aren't you? But they ha- they just do the same game, but in cities everywhere. So I think we did like it was kind of a Peaky Blinder type mystery thing. You know, it was um. Like gangs and yeah, 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 like that, and they just do it in like cities everywhere while they're at home, sitting on their money. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. But we did come out of, out of like a hundred teams. We came sixth overall. Oh, did we come sixth overall? No for like speed, we came sixth, which I think is really, really good. Oh, absolutely. And plus, there's only three of us. There are some teams of like six people, so you yeah. think they can uh, maybe figure things out a little bit faster than three people. But so I'll take six, yeah. definitely. That's cool. 100%. Yeah, that's better than yeah, definitely. Well, do you know what though? Is I think if we did this again, which I think we should, like when they do a new new one and they do a, do another one because it was fun, mm. we should do it again. But now we kind of like know how to do it. It's like a strategy. So yeah, I think we have a strategy now that we would do it and we could do it quicker and we realize okay it's not like actually as diff- like in depth we don't have to sit there and contemplate like as much as we did because it's actually pretty <laughs> pretty straightforward but yeah I was kind of like you know the winner people who won so then there was prizes for best dressed and best team name and stuff like that and I was like best dog best dog yes b- best love that that was good best kid wasn't it best kid costume yeah, yeah. yeah. best kid best, best kid. kid I don't know <laughs> And um, yeah, but the, like the person that won, the team that won, it was just they were in just crime scene, out you know the suits and the things that shoe covers and like, the whole thing, and they had set up like their little crime scene, which great, okay, it was it was they a good really picture. went for it, didn't they? Yeah, but yeah. it's just so boring. I mean, we were owls. Mm. I mean, come on. I don't know. I was actually, I think, was it best dressed? Men, it, it was called like Men in Black or something, and it was a bunch of guys in suits. Oh, and they um, had kids in like pinstripe suits. Didn't yes, they, they yeah. had. That's the that's okay. that's where we lost out. They had kids and we did not. Mm. Okay, okay. Well, next time we're gonna bring my daughter Definitely. and dress her up. Okay, absolutely. And we need to borrow a dog as well, so we've got we can and cover a dog. as many bases as possible. Find a dog. We're gonna do it. We're gonna bring Definitely. one of our cats. But I think it was called uh, cl- Clued. Clued up. Clued up. Yeah, clued up. up. Yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah, and if you see it, they I think we just found it because it just advertised on that damn targeted advertising on Facebook. Yeah. It worked. <gasps> what a perfect segue. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about um, targeting advertising, advertising later, I think. Yes. Oh, yes, we are today, section. aren't we? Mm. Okay, so today, today for true crime news, um, I was going to chat to you guys about and I don't know exactly know how to say his last name Michael Gargulio he's also known as the Hollywood Ripper so I'm gonna tell you guys have you guys heard of him 
I saw a news story pop up about him, but I don't know any of the original story. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Right. So now I'm going to, I'm not going to, they're pretty horrific crimes. And so I'm not going to like go to in depth detail. The one thing, the thing that made this case so like headline, like in the headlines and stuff like that, basically he was just sentenced or no, he was just convicted, found guilty of murder. So on the 15th of August, 2019, um, he was found guilty of murdering two women in Los Angeles and attempted murder of the third. On February 21st, 2001, fashion design student Ashley Ellerin was at home. Uh, she was showering to get ready for a date with actor Ashton Kutcher. And that's why this this um, case was especially like in the headlines because he, you know, obviously he's famous. Um, and he did testify in the case. So he attacked her in the bathroom with a knife, which is like everybody's, I think, worst nightmare. God. Yeah. No, thank you. No, th- yeah, no. That's like the stuff of horror films. So Kutcher actually arrived for their date and knocked on the door, um, and he was he was a bit late. But after Ellerin did not answer the door, he peered through the window and he saw what he thought was just red wine stains, and he thought maybe she just gotten angry. Um, but this was like two thousand and one, so we weren't quite on the you know cell phones yet, text messaging stuff. So she, so he thought that she just like gone gone out and was tired of waiting. So, um, and her roommate actually discovered her the next morning when she returned. And I was reading some of the interviews with, like, Ashton Kutcher, and I guess he freaked out because obviously he tried the door and everything. You know, his, his DNA was there, um, mm. was found the next day. Um, the second victim, which I kind of feel is a little sad because, because of just Ashton, Ashton Kutcher, by circumstance, you know, happened to be going on a date with this girl, that, that victim got a lot of attention, but... He actually has more victims. And the other ones don't kind of get quite as much. You know, people don't talk about it as much. I guess it's not as newsworthy, which is just really upsetting. The second victim, Maria Bruno, was killed in her home in El Monte, California, on the 1st of December, 2005. And she was stabbed 17 times. In the 20, on the 28th of April, 2008, he attacked his neighbor, Michelle Murphy, in Santa Monica. She was able to fight him off, and his blood and DNA was found at the scene. He's actually also been charged in another murder in Chicago from 1993, and he allegedly murdered his neighbor, Trisha uh, Pacquio. Um, she was 18 years old, and it was on her back doorstep where he stopped her to death as well. I think that he went to L.A. after that incident, I guess, to flee. Mm. So the sentencing is coming up for him, and obviously the death penalty is on the table because of the, it's, they have a death penalty in California. Um, but sentencing's next week, and then he will then be sent to Illinois to stand trial for her murder as well. So he's, you know, he's not going anywhere. He actually did plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Of course. Yeah, he told, um, he told authorities in the L.A. County Jail that just because 10 women were killed and his DNA was present, it doesn't mean he murdered anyone. So this has actually, like, led investigators to believe that there are possibly more victims um obviously no more victims have been linked to him um but they think maybe he says that he just i think it was i can't remember the phrasing but it's like he just was would like lose his mind while he went to to kill these women so that was his defense like he wasn't responsible he's just insane which is awful i actually just i meant to say i got a lot of this information from the wikipedia page from his wikipedia page and also there's a bbc article that came out on the 15th that I got some um, some of the information from that was talking about the um, sentencing. But yeah, you know, and you know what, the other thing about this that I don't really, like, I hate that 
he's got like this Hollywood ripper, like they glamorize and give him this, these names and you're like, you're j- just awful. Twat. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and then the Hollywood ripper, oh yeah. So it's like this, obviously ter- the killers have been given names for years, but I don't know. That makes it sound like, especially saying like the Hollywood ripper makes it sound like really kind of glamorous in a yeah. way. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just like, yeah. I just don't Because when like you think it. Hollywood, you think like old school glam. And calling exactly. him that makes him sound like some sort of like proper gentleman, some sort of mm. like I know, I know, like, I don't like, like an him. old actor kind of. Oh, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, but they were talking about that that people should give these types of killers names because it's easier to refer to them, but they should be embarrassing. Like yeah. the killer who was an idiot and left his fingerprints on the window, or the killer with the tiny penis. Like yes. things, Big yeah, that. things that are linking enough, so it has a title, so people can reference it, and obviously it looks better in newspapers mm. and and TV shows and things. But it's not a nice name. <laughs> no, really it's not like you want. <laughs> yeah, that could be the Golden State Killer, right? The tiny penis, tiny penis, tiny yeah. penis killer. Only time anyone says tiny penis, I think about that vine where it's like, oh, it's your boy, uh, tiny penis. <laughs> it kills me every single time. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, well, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens with um, with that, what, what he ends up being sentenced for. But obviously he, he's never getting out of jail. He's going to get something. He, he's going to get something. If, if I would be surprised if he didn't get the death penalty. So this week we want to talk about The Great Hack. Have you guys seen it? I have, yes. I have, I have not, no. I have. Uh, lovely. So I'll run through the um, synopsis and basically what the, the program is, is about and then we'll do some discussion and review. Um, so The Great Hack was released on Netflix on the 24th of July after its premiere at the Sundance Festival earlier this year. It explores the Cambridge Analytica scandal and the role it played in the successful Trump presidential campaign and the equally successful pro-Brexit Leave EU campaign. So Cambridge Analytica was founded in 2013 in England. It is actually an offshoot of an American group called SCL. So their business, Cambridge Analytica's business, offered this consulting service to other businesses but also political parties for targeted marketing. And it did that by using data analysis and behavioural science. So really like a strange combination of things. Not necessarily strange, but it it makes sense. So what they basically did was they made Facebook ads that targeted certain Facebook users to try and persuade them to do one thing or do another thing or buy one thing or, you know, vote in an election, for example. Hmm. So Cambridge Analytica, they used data that was ret- retrieved from Facebook through a personality test app called This Is Your Digital Life. The, 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 like, the alarming part of this app is that, say if one of you did it and you agreed, generally you, you do an app on Facebook and you click the I agree to them accessing my email address and profile picture, for example, and all, of the, all the other things. So you click, you click it, like accept on that, and it would harvest all your, your data. But what it also did was th- this app actually harvested data from your friends. It would harvest, so you'd get my data, you'd get all your friends' data as well, 
which is obviously not consensual, but it's produced this chunk of data that was for tens of millions of Facebook users, some of which, obviously, there's no consent on it. This data was then purchased by Cambridge Analytica, and Facebook were like, oh, I I don't think you should have that. Can you delete it? And they were like, oh, maybe we'll delete it, and they didn't. Um, Instead, they used it to create mass amounts of targeted advertisements and posts. Brittany Kaiser, who was one of the whistleblowers of Cambridge Analytica, she was the former business development director, explains that they identified people whose minds could be changed, so like swing voters, and then this is a, a quote, we bombarded them through blogs, websites, articles, videos, ads, every platform you can imagine, until they saw the world the way that we wanted them to, until they voted for our candidate. God, that just gives you like a chill up your spine. It was so terrifying watching this. I know this isn't our typical true crime, but oh my God, like this isn't, you know, what we typically cover, but it was so horrifying. All of your interactions, your credit card swipes, web searches, locations, likes, they're all collected in real time into a trillion dollar a year industry. Game changer was Cambridge Analytica. They'd worked for the Trump campaign and for the Brexit campaign. They started using information warfare. Cambridge Analytica claimed to have 5,000 data points on every American voter. I started tracking down all these Cambridge Analytica ex-employees. Someone else that you should be calling to the committee is Brittany Kaiser. Brittany Kaiser, once a key player inside Cambridge Analytica, casting herself as a whistleblower. The reason why Google and Facebook are the most powerful companies in the world is because last year data surpassed oil in value. It really questions what is ethical and what is not ethical. Yeah. When you're having, you know, campaigns like political campaigns, which are supposed to be, you know, fair, and there are um, reporting regulations on what people can and cannot post on Facebook for that campaign. So it pulls a lot of things into question. The Great Hack really focuses on Cambridge Analytica being hired by the Trump presidential campaign and the, the Leave EU campaign, which I am still incredibly salty about, the latter, to be honest. Um, so it uses testimony from Brittany Kaiser, who that quote came from earlier, Christopher Wiley, who was the data scientist behind Cambridge Analytica, and an investigative journalist called Carol Cadwaller. And basically, it boils down to one really, really terrifying question. And that is, with technology like this available, and our personal data being weaponized, are we ever going to have a fair political election ever again? Oh, it's awful. They worked on the Ted Cruz campaign too, didn't they? There's your boy, the Zodiac Killer. (laughs) Ted Cruz! (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think this is the future of crimes. I know we said we don't normally talk about this type of true crime, but this is the way it's going to go. I Mm. think for people who are online now, I don't know if there's ever going to really be data security anymore. Like Mm. I know um, recently we had in the EU, they had uh, the GDPR stuff come through. Yeah. And um, that's at least working to protect some people's information and the fact that if the information gets leaked or there's some sort of violation legally you have to speak up you have to say something yeah you have to report it yeah we, we've got um because I, I work in quite a big law firm and we had huge huge amounts of training on gdpr and also about clients accessing 
accessing their data that we that we hold and we you know you have to be really clear and really transparent with it which is is necessary i completely agree with that yeah in my business as well we have to um because we have a we every day we get receive people's personal information for what i do and so we have to there has like all these protocols about everything has to be shredded and um, deleted off our system and stored safely and everything like that it's it's yeah it's a big thing it makes you feel like there's just like no anonymity anymore like you're like my daughter you know she's never going to be around when there's you know she's been a lot you know as long as she's been alive and growing up like there's always going to be a like you know there's going to be record of her online yes yes data, that's yeah, data that someone could potentially use to be used against other people yeah. yeah yeah and control people it's just really it's like this stuff out of a movie where you just feel like it's this big conspiracy, like mind control thing that that getting these people elected, and you're like, oh god. But I noticed it really created kind of like a a, a dissonance almost. Like there's a, a juxtaposition between between this like seemingly dark side of social media where your data is being used to influence the outcome of really serious elections, like like Britain leaving the EU. It's really serious. It's not like it's not like a, a small thing. Like oh, who's going to be prime minister? It's like this is a huge thing which is going to affect people now, but also future generations. That's terrifying. And and the juxtaposition of the site's original purpose, like how it's packaged for us to use. So it's it's packaged on that basis of it's trying to connect people and promote friendship and sharing. And it's just like they those two things just do not mix together. But it really did make me want to delete everything and go live in the woods. I know, it's so <laughs> bad. It's just so scary. Yeah, I'm just going to like build a new shed. And then go live in it. Yeah, no, no I don't blame you. It just, it is, well, it, I guess, also with like Brexit and stuff like that, like if we leave without, you know, a deal, it could put our, put the economy into recession. Like it's got huge consequences. Yeah, I mean, we're already staring down the barrel of a re- another recession. I mean, we, we had one like 10 years ago. It's horrible. Yeah. It's not like this has influenced town council yeah. or no. your new your new local MP from some county yeah. that like nobody no knows about. <laughs> this is yeah, it's really serious. But I thought it was it was really explanatory and it was very, very well timed for the, the problems that we're facing today. So, you know, I thought it was really good. It's definitely worth a watch. Anna, what would you would you rate it? Yeah, so I would actually, I thought it, i give it a, out of five, I'd give it a five. I thought it was really well, like, produced. It explained, to be honest, before I watched this, I didn't really sort of understand what they did. I mean, everybody heard about Cambridge Analytica, and there was something, and it was data, and I didn't actually understand, or kind of, I hadn't really looked into it quite so much. I just read a few articles on it. But this really like, does a really good job of explaining it to you. And now, um, yeah, I give it a five. I, it's not it's not a long like a long watch, but I think it's really informative, and everybody should it make. If anything, it just will make you aware of your own like online security and or, or just be aware that your data is out there for everyone. Yeah, definitely. I, I gave it a, like a four and a half five as well. I thought it was great, but definitely recommend a watch. Okay, so the second thing we're going to chat about today is I Am a Killer. And it was just recently added to Netflix. I believe, and I really should have, it was done by Sky in partnership, I think, with Netflix. And I believe it aired on like regular cable television. 
and then they've just now put it onto Netflix, which of course that makes it really blow up because <laughs> then everyone has access to it to binge it all. So I'll just say um, from Netflix, the little um, like synopsis is every convicted killer on death row has a story to tell. Hear them out and judge for yourself. From why they're on death row to how teen killers on a to teen killers on a satanic rampage, the blunt discussions will give you chills. So essentially, what it does, it's I I, I think it's really well produced. I thought it was really um, it's good quality. And each episode, there's ten, and each of them is a different case. So they're they're all in death row. I think a lot of them have had their sentence commuted. So they were on death row and maybe are just serving life in prison. Um, I know one of the guys, the other person in the crime was already put to death. But I think, and I think he, he, he told his story. It's really interesting. So what they do is they, they interview the, the killer and they do talk about the crime. So they detail the crime, which, I mean, you know, you don't really see too many true crime shows where you actually have the killer sitting there telling you what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you will have talks with there's investigators and prosecutors and people who are um, their family of the victims or, it, it, you know, so they kind of try to go about it looking at different sides. And then at the end of the program, they go back and talk to him again, the killer again. And they usually like sort of relay what a lot of the other like the victim's family had said or friends or prosecutors or whatever. You know, and they answer a few more questions, that sort of thing, or have a few more things to say. So a lot of the inmates were quite young when they went in. And you can see they've been in prison for quite a long time and usually can reflect on their crimes. And maybe they made a mistake when they were and just following, you know, they're following friends and doing it. And some of them were older. Or some of them know exactly what they did and, and what was wrong. And then you do have there some of them who are just, they're definitely where they belong. Like they, they have no accountability for their crime. They talk about it, but they're insistent that it didn't happen that way. But obviously, all the evidence you can see points differently. It's really good. Um, have you guys watched some episodes? Yeah, I watched a few. I really liked how, at least the ones that I had seen, that they also usually talk about some sort of issue with the prison system alongside that particular person's case. So in the very first episode, they talk to this one guy, James, on death row, and how he had been in what they call close management where i guess it's kind of like what's the, what's the term when they're by themselves isolate not isolate oh it's solitary confinement solitary confinement yes, yes. so so basically in solitary confinement and they talk about how he had been in solitary confinement or they call it close management for close to 20 years mm. and so they were saying about how is this even helpful to anybody to be in that sort of environment and how does that play on your psyche when you are isolated and alone and confined that seriously for such a long period of time Mm. and for him particularly I think they said he was like 17 when he was arrested and it was fairly like petty crimes but once he was in prison he was acting out he got put in close management he got worse and it got to the point where he said you know, I can't survive in close management anymore. It, it's too much. I want to kill somebody so I can get on death row because it is better to be on death row than in close management. Mm-hmm. And so he is put in a cell with this older pedophile guy. Sorry, guy. I didn't write your name down. And basically uh, strangles him just so he can get into death row. And so it does talk about, well, is close management 
helping anybody? Is this just making it worse? So I do like that sort of aspect because obviously this man, something is there that is not supposed to be there. Yeah. But did close management push him over the edge? It shows the effect of like solitary confinement on a person as well because he said he was there for a really, really long period of time, like you said, 20 years. But it was I didn't realise how bad it was in solitary confinement in that he was in a cell for 23 hours a day. He was only entitled to six hours of exercise a week. That's crazy. And they were like, there was like nothing really in the cell. So there was like, there's no entertainment, there's no TV, there's no, there's nothing for you to occupy those 23 hours in which you're in a cell. Yeah, I think one of the uh, nurses that they interview say that a lot of the men in close management just sleep because Mm. there's like not much to do. And then a lot of them will be up in the night and they're just like, yelling there's nothing that you can do you're just sat in this tiny little cell and so you just start yelling and screaming and seeing if anyone else will like yell back at you and and all the rest of it just i didn't realize that that was a thing really yeah we then you it just shows that what is it it's got to be a form of torture really isn't it really you know um and it's not then it goes down the road of, is it rehabilitation? Are you just punishment? You know, being in prison, which I guess is supposed to be both. It is both, of course. Of course it's punishment. But also you're just like, I don't see how this is going to... I don't know, but then you don't know. We don't know the ins, in the ins and outs of... I guess he was a danger to other people, but you got to, like, weigh up. Like, And then it led him to kill... His cellmate, by the way, was Frank Hart. Thank um, you. No, and um, he... Yeah, and it says that in Florida where he is, death row a lot, has larger cells and they get more yard time. So I guess if you know you're not going anywhere, I guess he thought that was just a better option. Yeah, I did talk to one of his... James says he's his buddy. The buddy says, we are not buddies, but I know of James. Mm -hmm. And the buddy says, like, yeah, close management sucks, but if you go in there and you do what you're told as you're supposed to, then you just come out. And he would, like, James just refused. So it's on him that he was in there so long. Yeah. He should have just done what they asked him to do, like you're supposed to in prison, and then he could have gotten out. So kind of, I like that it does show both sides, that yeah, close management is pretty messed up, but also it, it does help some people, you know, vice versa. Definitely. Yeah, and I guess they, some, like, I guess, like, pedophiles get put and stuff like that for their own protection, I guess, from the other, the other people. But also, that, that guy was particularly, did he freak you out? He really freaked me out. He really was, freaked me out. Yeah, really kind of creepy. I think it's because he he wanted to go on death row, and I just like I don't think anyone really wants that, do they? Yeah, yeah. and and he'd been in prison since he was seventeen, so <sighs> he's been in prison mm. for more than he's been out. Yeah, and that does stuff to you. I also thought, it, this, so towards the end of that show, they show his cousin, don't they? Where he had gotten, he just didn't have anyone. He'd been in prison from such a young age. Comes from like a terrible family like childhood family life which kind of led him down that path anyway and then they show that um he'd connected with his cousin his first cousin I think and his family and they've come to visit him and then I think this program's good because it kind of has a way of showing the different layers of the crimes of the people of the it's like everything isn't so straightforward and it kind of showed him in more a more humane way because he was really I found him really like (laughs) He, yeah, a monster, he, he, like yeah, an actual monster, an actual like something monster. that nightmares are made of. He was, it was scary stuff. Yeah, but then I guess uh, showing that with the, how he connected with his cousin made him a little bit more human. I don't yeah. know, but I just thought the the program. It like I said, it's the ten episodes. I think if I was going to rate it, you know, I I would say it would be a 
a really good um, – as far as these type of programs, it's one of the better ones I've seen because, you know, you've got all these pro- these type programs on, like, the ID channel and all the, the crime investigation and stuff like that. And I thought this was it's a really good one. The stories are really interesting. And, yeah, so I would give it, like, I think a four – you know, a four, four and a half even. And it's a great one you can kind of – you don't necessarily – like, I think I was doing some work – a bit when I was watching like I was kind of in and out of like you can kind of put it on in the background too but I thought it was good what did you guys think I think at least I haven't watched all 10 because they are about an hour they are long episode yeah which kind of sucks but also it helps you get so many different perspectives on one particular crime it doesn't really feel like it's rushed through all the details they really have a lot of time to dive into stuff but I, w- I would say something similar, like three and a half, four. I thought it was interesting. Definitely one of the better ones that in that sort of vein of shows, definitely. Yeah, I put down four for it. I thought it was well-researched, well-produced. You got to see a lot of different sides, which you don't often do. So yeah, four. Great. Well, it's available on Netflix. I know it's n- available on Netflix UK at the moment. I'm not actually sure about the US or Canada. But check it out if you get the opportunity. Weird Crime Time. So this week for Weird Crime Time, we are going to the beautiful British Columbia, Canada. And to, to discuss, here's the title. Did Canuck the Crow swoop off with a knife from a Vancouver crime scene? And the question is yes. <laughs> okay. So apparently there is a crow in the Vancouver area that is notorious. He is known by many people. They call him Canuck. He's kind of terrifying, to be honest. He is like the darkest crow. He's got very suspicious looking beady eyes. But apparently he um, is being accused of flying away with a knife from a crime scene. So he has his own dedicated Facebook page. He's posted about a lot on social media, pictures of him basically stealing stuff and being kind of like a gangster. (laughs) 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 So police were called to a shooting. There was a car engulfed in flames. When they arrived, they were confronted with a man uh, with a knife. The shots were fired. The man was arrested. And a reporter, Mike, said he saw the bird, which has a red tag on his leg, so he's identified. I thought you said he had, like, a gold chain on or something. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> he's, little, he's, like, little hats backwards. <laughs> it's like a K. Like. He's, <laughs> he he's got like. a red tag as his jewelry. But basically, Mike says he saw the bird swoop in and pick up an object from inside the area corned off by police tape. And a cop chased him, like chased Canuck, chased the crow until the crow dropped it and took off. Um, He said it was really strange. I've been reporting on crime scenes for 20 years and I've never seen a crow try to take a knife before. (laughs) Yeah, he, he did drop the knife, thankfully. Then they say the bird was also spotted sitting on the roof of the burned car. So if you can imagine this burned out vehicle and this really creepy gangster looking crow sitting up like on top. <laughs> that is amazing. Like where where do you think it went wrong in his life? 
like he's well, just uh, he's just a bad yeah. pro like how he went down the wrong path like <laughs> went down the wrong <laughs> road yeah <laughs> but it does talk about how crows are known to be very intelligent and very curious and people think because the knife was shiny that he probably picked it up because he liked the look of it so a lot of crows will take things like shiny foil anything that sparkles like beads and that sort of thing they they end the article that it was a crime of opportunity. <laughs> so <laughs> if you are in the Vancouver area, keep an eye out for Canuck. He's actually kind of scary. We can post a picture of him someplace. And uh, he is known for taking shiny things and taking murder weapons. So just be aware. That is great. Can you imagine that that cop, then they're like at the crime scene and they're like gathering the evidence or whatever. And then he's got to like call his boss yeah we lost the knife like, you I what bird <laughs> then they had to literally chase the bird to get it oh to drop God. this knife i could just imagine it's, it's almost like the perfect crime though like if you yeah. did stab someone you could like train a crow to take the knife away maybe that's the whole oh. thing maybe, maybe that's what it was actually part mm. of like a criminal gang mm. and they've trained him instead of like carrier pigeons we yeah. have like gangster crows gangster crows yeah definitely so I think that's all we have for today. If you want to get in contact with us, murderfriendspod at gmail.com. Check out our website, murderfriends.com. You can also find us on Instagram, murderfriendspod, and Twitter, murderfriendspd. And if you like our show, leave us a five-star review. And um, yeah, and subscribe. Thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>